The Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. We're going back to back. Welcome to the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Rivas, and the uh, gentleman you hear trying to harmonize with me. Uh, what's your name? <laughs> trying. I'm your producer, Matt Duncan. How you doing? How you uh, doing, Freddie? I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How you doing? Doing well. That's a nice blue sky day, uh, family day here in Canada. Are you enjoying yourself? Are you uh, getting together with the brothers Revis and uh, getting some crepes or what? Yeah, actually, we are getting together, and I don't know how you guessed it, but um, <laughs> it is a tradition for us to have crepes. So nice. We will be having crepes on family day. <laughs> um, I think like a lot of other families, but uh, there's so much there's so much exciting stuff to get to. So mm-hmm. I don't want to breeze past family no. day, but also I want to breeze past family day. Yeah. Um, let's just let's bring on the guest, shall we? Wait, wait, wait. 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 I'm, I'm skipping my own Your my own, own idea for our intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Even though you said it's a it's a cool nice day, if uh, if someone's head is cold, Matt, what might they do? You got to buy a head a head top from us, Confederacy Dunks toque, nice gray anti itching toque. Uh, you know we're just over about a month away until spring, and you're gonna want to get that toque on because that last month of winter is the hardest. You heard it, folks. Anti-itching, um, and uh, you know, if people want to, if people want to go above and beyond and support us, and you know, kind of help us like rise in the podcast ranks, so we can finally, you know, take down Joe Rogan as the most popular podcast in the world. Yeah. Well, uh, for, how, how much they do that, Matt? For that, we need. Uh, you know, you can go to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/DunksPodcast. Support the pod, uh, and we can, you know, bring more exclusive content to you. You get a, a sneak peek of the episode. You get to hear it on the day that we record and uh as well you know like you could get freddy's hot sauce you know you better believe it and if (laughs) if people want to find us uh well where can they find us like you know is it just player fm not just player fm you know like we try to rise on itunes and stitcher and spotify we're even on google music and youtube so you know anywhere that you're comfortable with listening and uh able to subscribe would be super helpful and easy for you to stay on top of all our episodes well, well, that's 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 all pretty beautiful, don't you think? I think it's pretty damn beautiful, sir. Oh, sir. Okay, good. Yeah, I like the exchanges of sir we got going on. Um, okay, let's let's bring on our guests. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm going to bring on, on guest number one, who's a returning guest, but uh, I th- I think actually both guests we have are the, are our only real technical difficulty guests. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. This first <laughs> guest, uh, I was so excited to have him. We had such a great conversation. You know, he was nice enough to have me on on his podcast on Raptors Republic. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of his analysis. Uh, he recently did a Raptors Republic episode with Dan Devine. I I, I can't recommend listening to uh, a a podcast more. Um, just such great analysis, details of play, and uh, yeah, he's someone I, I love listening to uh, after every uh, Raptors game. Give it up for Samson Folk. Drop the beat. <laughs> Matt, was that you that said drop the <laughs> yeah. beat? It's less cool when you... Okay, but, but, Samson, how you doing, man? 
I'm I'm doing great. I'm coming to Toronto in about a month for Ooh. my promised bottle of hot sauce, which that conversation is lost to the, <laughs> I guess the the whatever is lost in history, yeah. not the annals, but certainly a synonym of sorts of that. But thank you for the introduction. Uh, it's very very nice, and I'm very happy to come on and hopefully join a podcast that is released to the world this time. Yeah, maybe maybe better since we are not stepping around the landmine of the NBA China situation once again. Yes. More fun like the All-Star game. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and uh, I got that bottle of hot sauce for you. Uh, Mark's Rosé with a little bit of basketball bones, dried ghost pepper. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get spicy when you come to Toronto for sure. Um, I'm, I'm ready to get spicy, man. I'm ready to do it. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's bring on uh, guest number two. I think um, I'm gonna ballpark. Maybe this is his uh, fourth time doing the podcast. Third or fourth? Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's awesome. Um, he, he works for CBC. I'm not exactly sure what show he's working on right now, but I, I'm sure he'll fill uh, fill us in. But uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. He's also hilarious. Give it up for Derek Dionorain. <laughs> Derek, how you doing? Matt didn't say drop the beat for yours. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. Anytime I'm able to get on the show and talk basketball with you guys, and it's great, especially given that it's, uh, you know, we just wrapped up an amazing All-Star weekend, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's exciting times. Um, I feel good every time I have you on the podcast, and I don't call you Kevin. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, like I, I'm so excited for that to be a distant memory. You know, like in, in 30 years, someone's like, do you remember when you called Derek Kevin? And I'll be like, no, no, I don't. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk some Raptors ball and uh, let's do some all-star. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay, Maddie, give me that Raptors sting. Wonderful sting as usual, Matt. Sounds like a Raptors nightmare. Um, <laughs> if anyone listens to this, like just like out loud, like not not in headphones, and and they and they live with someone else, whoever that other person is, hates this podcast. <laughs> it just has weird ghostly sounds. Um, let's uh, yeah, let's let's get going here on on Raptors stuff. So, um, Samson, let me let me start with you and. Uh, we can we can go one by one here. I think that's probably the best way. But um, yeah, like how, how did our guys do at All Star? So I'm, I'm I'm talking Nick Nurse, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. Just uh, just pick a guy and tell me how you think he did. Okay, before I address that though, Derek, you're in rare air with Kyle Lowry because Kevin Harlan on the call last night called him Kevin Lowry. So you yes, both are in he the did. Same boat he did. I heard that. being mistakenly <laughs> called Kevin. I don't know the backstory. Kevin Lowry. Kevin Lowry with the layup. <laughs> we just saw Kevin fly. And then Reggie Miller. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's actually Kyle Lowry juice. there. Ho, ho, ho. But, um, Kyle Lowry, he was fantastic. And also shout out to you guys' intro music, which is also shared by the Conan O'Brien show, <laughs> the Clueless Gamer uh, segment. I'm sure your guys' predates it, though. But regardless, I'm here to talk about Kyle Lowry, who was the most fun aspect of the All-Star game last night. We saw, it's probably the first one I've seen in my lifetime, 
I'm 24 years old, where I got to see the teams compete. And I've never seen an all-star game like that. And Kyle Lowry embodies that type of gritty, do-anything-to-win game. The fact that there was a game-winning shot from James Harden, his patented three-pointer, that was taken away because Kyle Lowry took one on the chest is it's insanity. It's we too good. Not have expected that in an all-star game and a charge taken on Kawhi and then take into fact that he took a charge earlier in the game and they didn't call it. But then eventually the refs, they recognize, okay, this game is picking up. We're probably going to have to start calling it. And Lowry saw that and he was, he was the defensive linchpin for team Giannis and he, and he was a near high for plus minus, but that ended up going away. It was Chris Paul at the end of the game, I think. But regardless, I think he was the most fun aspect of the game. Anybody who was talking trash about him, you can just get all the way out of here, man. I think that's the definitive take for me from that game is if you don't like watching Kyle Lowry play basketball, you you like the culture of basketball more than you like the game of basketball. You like talking about the go. Ooh, I like that. You, you like the barbershop talk. You like being able to talk like, oh, Devin Booker, Trey Young, they get buckets. You like the highlights, but you don't actually like the basketball. Kyle Lowry is the basketball fan's basketball player. And if you didn't enjoy him last night, I, I don't have anything to say to you besides what I just said. So that's that's my piece on it. Ooh, I love that. I love that a lot. Uh, he, no, he is, he is definitely like a, a, a hardcore basketball fan's favorite guy because he just does so many little things and kind of is conducting the game, you know, in 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 an, in an unconscious way, like you know, you can you can watch a game and miss what Kyle does fairly easily, and to see him do that in an All Star game, to see him take a charge from Harden and then run and do like a giant chest bump with Westbrook, who wasn't on his team, like it's just people love this guy, and I think his competitive nature is. It's just contagious. Like there was, he, he got called on a foul where he yanked down Anthony Davis by his arm, and it's just like I, I, I was so, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump to Derek because I, because I, I think uh, we'll all have some more Kyle points here. But uh, well, yeah. What's your, what's your take on Kyle in that game, Derek? Uh, I think uh, Kyle Lowry for prime minister. That's that's what I'm going <laughs> with. Uh, he he was uh, he was amazing. I think uh, you know uh, Samson hit it right on the head. I think you know for the guys that like watching uh, NBA highlights on YouTube and 10 minute functions where it's just the baskets and not defensive plays, that mm. they might not like Kyle Lowry and his brand of basketball. Um, I I mean just seeing your favorite players talking about Lowry so glowingly and the little things that he does and for people to be actually able to see that on a large scale, like to everybody else that doesn't watch the Raptors, they were surprised that Kyle Lowry was going for charges against LeBron against, uh, you know, James Harden against Kawhi. But for us, we were expecting it. We were waiting for it. You know, we were like, what was the over under on Kyle Lowry taking a charge at an all-star game? And there he was with two should have been three charges uh in, in the game um and i think you know he i like that uh you know when it mattered most no one batted an eye at the fact that kyle lowry was playing the most meaningful minutes of that game instead of trey young and, and i'm sure younger fans who again you know they love the house of highlight stuff they may want trey young and and, and you know 
for all intents and purposes, yeah, his half-court shot was great, and, you know, he can handle the ball well except for when it matters. Um, but uh, it, I, I love that Nick Nurse went with Kyle and Pascal uh, in those closing minutes to, to try to win the game for him. Pascal was – Pascal, you know, he got to the ba- he got to the basket. He scored a couple times. Um, I think he had, like, 15-6-1. and one. Kyle had, like, 13-5-8 and three charges. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I think to me, uh, Nick Nurse was was also a guy that we uh, should give credit to because yeah, I let's, let's I talk about Nick for a bit. I, I don't think that anyone, when they looked at how the roster shook out and how Giannis and LeBron picked them, thought that Team Giannis was going to be anywhere close to winning. Yet here we here we are, and they, and and Team LeBron, you know, only won by by two points. I think I, I think this was actually the closest. Uh, scored all-star game since maybe I don't know 2003 or, or with that double overtime Jordan game and Kobe winning um, or maybe 2006 or I mean t- 2018 was close as well but I think as far as competition and, and how close it actually was I can't remember a game in the last like maybe 15 years that that was nearly uh, as close and as well coached uh, on, on both sides yeah, and I, and I actually was was really surprised that uh, Vogel um, ended up using the coach's challenge before Nick, because I was yeah. like, "There's no way this All Star game is gonna ra- like ratchet up in intensity, and Nick's not gonna flex his like his glowing green muscle. Like he <laughs> he definitely, you know, he's ready for his moment. And I think that's kind of what you know, more than anything for me, what stands out about Nick Nurse is that he belonged. He was comfortable coaching superstars. He was, you know, pretty good at motivating them. I think there was a lot of motivating factors with the format change, obviously with the passing of Kobe Bryant. And then uh, kind of this, like, you know, this year of parody we're in in the NBA. Like, a, a lot of players, I think, wanted that, uh, that, that, um, that all-star MVP. But I, I think Nick did a good job of kind of bottling that energy. And, and kind of back to your point about... Um, who he was playing in minutes and, and nobody doubting that Kyle was in there. I'm just looking at the minutes right now. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell had 14 minutes. Uh, a guy like Jimmy Butler had less than 13 minutes. And, and again, yeah, no one was really doubting that Kyle was the guy who was supposed to be in there. Honestly, when I was watching the game uh, w- w- with a friend of the pod, Roger Bainbridge, the guy that was really sticking out to us that didn't belong on that squad at that time was Kemba. He was calling yep. his number too much. And he had better options, and it just didn't seem like he was reading the game in the right way. Like, he wasn't making those those kind of, like, over-the-top defensive plays. Like, everyone out there was was playing really gritty, and he was kind of just jacking threes. But, uh, yeah, um, what, what, how do you feel about uh, Nick Nurse's kind of, like, overall all-star performance, uh, Samson? I was, I was really happy with it. I think that the fact that he got to run... Pascal and Kyle Lowry down the stretch with Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Kemba is a really cool thing. I loved how the game drudged down into just Joel Embiid post-ups. Yes. I I thought it was a great coaching job from Nick Nurse. I think that maybe this is biased to think that, and I'm sure it is quite biased to think that the intensity in the All-Star game starts and ends with the Raptor crew, or at least it seems to be synonymous with them. The biggest parts of this game are are drawn from that. So it was interesting that he, he didn't bring out the coach's challenge first, but 
as far as what was going on behind the scenes, I couldn't really tell. It's not like they were running a whole bunch of complicated actions. I yeah. was really hoping we might see the famous hammer play, but it didn't come to fruition. But th- there's a lot that there's a lot to like, and the fact that Kyle got to play 28 minutes, Pascal like 26. It's it's a cool thing, and I think that as far as being able to play Kyle Lowry the game being gifted to everybody at that intensity and to just be able to run with his guys and provide whatever type of tampering, I guess we're all expecting him <laughs> to do with Giannis. Yeah. Is a, a 10 out of 10 definitely is, is big time. It's really fun to watch. Yeah. Some solid tampering. I thought like a nice extra little cute tampering moment might've been if the, if the amazing Giannis block, on LeBron wasn't overturned. Like if they reviewed it and decided it was a goaltend, I thought that would have been a great and hilarious moment for Nick to then open up the coach's challenge and be like, look at it again, boys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, let's just move on to Pascal. And uh, I think you can, you can bring it home, Samson. And we'll, we'll ask uh, Derek what he thought about Pascal, but how, how do you think he fared, um, you know, in his first go around at the all-star game. He beat Beverly in, in, in round one of the skills challenge and lost to Bam in round two. Uh, it was fairly tight, but, uh, you know, it, it seemed to me like he belonged. Like I'm looking at his stats and stats are always weird for the all-star game, but you know, 15 points, six rebounds, one steal, seven for 10. Um, you know, he was minus seven, but I think he was, he was in there when the game mattered and he looked like he belonged. Uh, you know, he's posting up James Harden and, uh, I thought maybe he got away with a couple of travels, to be honest. But I do think that Pascal, he just seems like he's one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think more so than his offense, the defense that he showcased down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard was his primary check. And when Kawhi tried to ISO, he didn't get anything and then was relegated to yep. you know spacing out on the weak side. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, those guys... Well, Chris Paul, too, doing more work. Kawhi, really not a factor at the end of the game. That's a credit to Pascal. And it's it's interesting because Pascal, even though he attempts roughly, I think, 5.8, six threes a game in the regular season, not really looking to come in and shoot it in the All-Star game. And I get that because you're surrounded by better shooters. There's not yeah. as much dedication to spacing. There's not as much of a game plan. But then at the end of the game, we saw him attempt to get some post-ups it's kind of unlucky that he ended up being guarded by Harden. As Giannis said, that was the matchup they were shooting for was whoever has Harden on them, try and take him off the dribble. It ended up that Siakam, you know, he's not going to try and go off the dribble because waiting in the wings is LeBron, Kawhi, all those guys with help side defense, Anthony Davis, who we saw Pascal struggle against mightily earlier this year. Mm -hmm. But, and then having to take Harden in the post. Harden is actually one of the best post defenders in the league. Say what you want about other aspects of his game, how many times he gets back cut, etc. But he can defend the post. He's kind of has a Lowry-esque body in that he's he's very thick. He's hard to move. And so Pascal was trying to make it work down at the end. Didn't work out that well for him. But, I mean, it, it wasn't working all the time for Joel Embiid, who was the premier post-up threat in the league. So, all in all, showcased his defense. I think that this all-star game really slanted towards the type of style that benefits the Raptors, which is why I said they're synonymous with it earlier. And Pascal and Kyle, Nick Nurse, they all fit wonderfully in that mold. I was, I was really happy with it. Yeah, me too. And, and, and I think it's a really good point about James Harden's defense. Like, there's so many ways to evaluate someone's kind of like defensive resume, but he definitely 
is is way way stronger and harder to move than anyone realizes and Raptors fans should be super familiar with that you know when when with a guy like Kyle Lowry because it's you know you can see time and time again people try and post him up or Chris Paul or James Harden and it's just not really the way to beat them there's other ways to beat them but uh yeah it was uh I thought that was pretty fascinating because Pascal's also so good at the post up and but he tried to bully Harden as opposed to like you know doing some clever spins and pump fakes but uh yeah I thought Pascal really kind of like you said, showcase showcases defense, and I thought that you know one on one matchup with Kawhi was so fun for Raptors fans. And also, and, I'll say quick, sorry that sure. the reason why he was bullying Harden is because if he were to go to the spin move, that provides a window for the help defense to trap. Right, They'd going yeah. to the baseline. So he's trying to just bully to the center of the floor, so he'd always have a passing lane. And I get why he did it, but it's also really hard to do with Harden. But yes, that's why. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> No, no, it's a good point. And like, I think we saw um, Embiid trying to do the same thing to LeBron. So, so it, it might have been kind of like a, a nurse uh, objective, like, you know, guys, just bully your opponent and, and put it in the basket. Um, I think it seemed like the goal at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, Derek, what's your, what's your take on Pascal's first go around at the All-Star? I thought it was good. I mean, uh, I really wanted him to win the uh, the skills competition uh, just so that we could uh, kind of go more towards the P-Skills nickname because yeah. he has said that he, one, doesn't really like Spicy Food all that much and doesn't like the name Spicy P as much. But despite that, I think Pascal did show his skill set. Um, I mean, he, he had a good showing in the skills competition, and I'm so glad that he beat Patrick Beverly. I mean, I love Patrick Beverly. He's a complete dog uh, when he plays, and, uh, you know, he, he certainly earned and deserves that respect. Um, but it was nice to see a Raptor beat a Clipper, so <laughs> I'll take it. Um, oh, and I 100%. Think, um, I, think the, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, the All-Star game as a whole, you got to see a lot of what, uh, you know, the Raptors do as a team, right, bringing that intensity on defense, taking charges, um, and, and, you know, looking Lowry looking – for Pascal on outlets on fast breaks and seeing him down the court was just great. Cause I mean, even though Pascal's not necessarily the flashiest guy when it comes to his ability to, to leap and dunk and his athleticism, I think uh, it's very much him, right. To be the, the smooth slithery player that he is to manage his, his way to get to the basket. I think in the, obviously in crunch time, when you're putting Pascal against LeBron and Kawhi and James Harden in the post, and there's a ton of help defense. Yeah. He's not going to be able to do his patented, you know, uh, spin moves. Uh, but I think, you know, he, he did what he could and he got to the line. And I actually, I actually liked that he was put in that moment to go to the line. And also, I mean, obviously it sucks that he missed that free throw um, in the clutch, but I think it was good that he did miss it because Pascal has shown that, you know, he's a guy that learns from mistakes. I think back to last year in the playoffs, you know, in some crucial Milwaukee games, and I think the one that went to double overtime, he missed the free throw um, to kind of seal it in that first overtime, and then we went to that double OT, and, you know, Kawhi ended up uh, helping us take that win, but he ended up correcting his mistakes in the second overtime and, and helping us, uh, you know, get that victory as well. So I think, you know, being in a, in a pressure moment as, I mean, as high pressure as an all-star game can be, but being surrounded by your peers and the best players in the world, that situation is not going to be much different than what you get when you arrive in the playoffs. And, um, you know, you're going to be surrounded by some of the best players in the world. You're going to be surrounded by a lot of fans cheering and booing for you. And how you respond to that, um, you know, is, is absolutely important. And so I think, yeah, Pascal had a, had a solid showing. I mean, it's his first time. Um, hopefully not the last time and I don't think it will be. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he did great. 
Yeah, and let's uh, let's kind of stick with Pascal and first here because um, you know I think a lot of uh, this 15 game win streak uh, media attention has is kind of brought brought some of the you know Raptors kind of doubt down, but I think that a certain amount of doubt still remains just because we haven't seen Pascal as a number one option. You know, is he going to be able to do these spins? In the playoffs, how's he going to handle the double team? Is he going to shoot the three well? Is he going to, you know, keep bombing the three from the t- from the uh, you know from the break uh, as opposed to just kind of like in the corners like he was doing last year? Um, it's uh, it's fascinating to me. I, I'm pretty confident in him, and I think we have such a strong team that he'll be able to learn uh, in that first series a little bit. And I think guys like like Norm and Fred and obviously Kyle and, you know, maybe even Serge or, or can fill in here and there uh, against like, you know, not necessarily in the conference finals, but I think against the lesser teams. But uh, yeah, uh, Derek, I'm going I'm to stick with you. What, what are you feeling mm-hmm. from, from Pascal? Like, is he going to, is it, you know, are we going to get like 23 and eight and four, in the playoffs or are his numbers going to dip or is it kind of like the all-star game where his defense is going to, is going to kind of like hold the water for him. How are you feeling about Pascal? Well, oh, wait, and, I, yeah, sorry, I mean, let me just, yeah. let me just say that, uh, um, just, just to, uh, back to your Milwaukee double overtime mm-hmm. and Pascal learning from his, his mistakes. Yes, he did miss, miss those free throws. And if I'm not mistaken, I might have the order of this wrong, but he also was the one who took the offensive, uh, or he, uh, kind of like incited the offensive foul, uh, Giannis's sixth foul for Giannis yes, to foul yes, out of that game. Yes, he did, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure which one came first, but but anyways, yeah, I just feel like that was kind of relevant. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And you know what? I think, I think, um, w- I mean, looking at what Pascal did last playoffs and and regular season compared to what he what he's doing now and what he may do uh, come the spring and summer, um, I, I, it's interesting. He he's not a guy that actually took a massive leap in the playoffs. It's not like LeBron's numbers where he's, you know, coasting at 25 or 26 a game. And then all of a sudden playoff time comes around and he's averaging like 32. Um, you know, Pascal had like a, a, a modest jump. Um, I think he was averaging about, you know, 19, seven and two in the playoffs. And his, his regular season numbers were about 17, seven and two. So he wasn't that far off from what he did in the regular season. And I think again, in this postseason, provided we're healthy, he'll probably be putting up the same numbers. I think he's averaging 20, 23, seven and three right now. He'll probably be around there as long as we're healthy. If we're not healthy, then obviously we'll have to rely on him more, but I'm also imagining in the playoffs, teams are obviously going to be keying on him a lot more because they know exactly what he loves to do. So there's going to right. be a lot of help defense when he comes into the paint to try to spin to get to the basket, either going left or right. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to get him away from the center of the paint um, solely because they know that he can actually pass out of there reliably to, to shooters. And the Raptors are surrounded by guys that can actually shoot. I know Kyle's percentages are down this season, but, you know, Fred, Serge, Mark, Kyle, Norm, you know, even OG when you need him sometimes um, can, can hit those shots. So 
he he's got options when he gets to the post, um, and it isn't like he's going to be stuck there uh, against you know a double team and not know what to do. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Pascal's going to be fine. I think it really it, it, it's 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 a lot like boxing where you know styles kind of make the matchup, and you know I almost sound like Max Kellerman right now, but but it's true, right? Like I think I think when you looked at Pascal in the first round um, last year, he completely ate uh, you know Jonathan Isaac up um, because even though they tried to put a long, lanky defender on Pascal the same way, his his post work just there was no answer for it, and because Vucevic was so busy trying to figure out Gasol. Um, and, and surge at times, there was no inside presence. And I think that's the big thing is that when Pascal goes down there, you can't have Mark also down there or Serge also down there. So if you surround him, a la, you know, Dwight Howard with the Orlando Magic, with shooters at every spot, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of teams to try to beat us because not only do we have good ball handlers off the perimeter, but if you try to run us off the line, we're smart enough and fast enough to beat you when we go small. So I think Pascal will be just fine. I think he'll average around what he's averaging right now for the season. I think it'll really just depend for us health as the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's definitely kind of, he's his own Swiss army knife. I think this team is a Swiss army knife, but he's also that. So I I feel like he definitely has a, a certain malleability that will benefit him in the playoffs. And I think, you know, last year, he wasn't our number one option, so it allowed him to have explosive games. I don't know if he had an explosive game in the Milwaukee series, but obviously, you know, the the first game against uh, Philly, he dropped like a like what was it, thirty or almost forty points, and um, the first game against Golden State, he just tore up Draymond because they didn't really read the scouting report. But yeah, I think it's going to be very different for him this time around, and I I, I, I do have faith, but. Uh, yeah, I'm. You know, I'm also curious. Uh, well, where are you at, Samson? Are you kind of, are you confident that Pascal is just going to kind of hit the ground running here, or? Yeah, I'm actually. I'm going to disagree with Derek a little bit. One on the. Uh, I don't think that he ate Jonathan Isaac up. Jonathan Isaac was incredible, and Pascal definitely. Um, that that was a tough matchup for him, but did hit on something that is is an interesting wrinkle in Pascal's game was that the key to scoring on Jonathan Isaac wasn't straight post-ups. It was always getting Pascal in motion, either as a screener or running him with the ball in his hands using Pascal, or sorry, not Pascal, either Mark or Kyle as a screener a lot of the time. And that's something the Raptors have used sparingly this year. And I think with the playoffs in mind, they've saved a lot of the pick-and-roll action using Siakam as a screener or as a ball handler for when they enter the playoffs. That's one of Pascal's most efficient play types. And I know we all know him for the post-ups and everything, but that isn't what he's most efficient at. He's most efficient on the move, as Derek said earlier. He's a slithery, smooth player, and that really helps in the pick and roll. He has great pacing for it. And I I actually am expecting him to go north of 25 points per game in the the playoffs. I think it'll be a really good showing for him. It'll definitely it'll be trying because there are going to be teams that play drop defense coverage in the pick and roll. We'll see that with Philly at times. We'll also see that with Milwaukee definitively if they do play Milwaukee. And Pascal figuring out how to make the in-between game work is going to be one of the biggest bellwethers for how this goes for the Raptors. But I do think we'll see his ball handling go up in the pick and roll. We've seen him do so much ISO comparative to the amount of ISO that Kawhi did last year for long stretches of the, of the season for both these guys. It was comparable amounts um, used in their play types. So I think we'll see less ISO for Pascal, less free roaming, 
and trying out stuff. We see a lot of these post turnarounds, you know, just in the middle of games where he's, it seems like he's just trying things out from possession to possession. I think we'll see a more fine-tuned attack in the playoffs, and that means more, uh, more pick and roll, and I'm excited to see it. So I think he'll go north of 25, and uh, yeah, here's hoping. I hope it goes well. Well, uh, just to um, just to give the fans some kind of uh, or the the listeners some something to think about. So you you both kind of had a different take on Jonathan Isaac uh, defending Pascal Siakam. I, I don't want to be wishwashy here, but I I think I kind of agree with both of you. I feel like he was playing good defense, and and I I, I mean I'm or sorry, yes, uh, Isaac was playing good defense, but I'm also looking at the uh, at the game log here, and you know Pascal was 24, 19, 30, 16, and 24. So, you know, and that's like he was a, a minus four, then he was a plus 21, plus 13, plus 11, and plus 22. But again, I think that's the, the, the context here is always key with, uh, with basketball because there's 10 guys on the court and the Raptors were a much better team than the Magic. And I think after that first game, this series wasn't very close. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, bring this, let's bring this Raptors talk home with... Uh, with 27 games, uh, that, that's it. The, this All-Star uh, is kind of later in the season, and uh, we're already in the home stretch more than I, I think uh, basketball fans are used to. Um, Samson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you. What's, uh, what's something besides health? You know, we keep hearing with the Raptors, when they're all healthy and, you know, if they're all healthy. And, you know, sometimes that just doesn't happen for a team. Like, you know, for instance, uh, sticking with Jonathan Isaac, if you're the Magic, you you just won't be able to evaluate that, right? So Isaac's not coming back this year, and you might still make the playoffs. So that's your team, right? Um, but yeah, so so what are you kind of looking for, hoping for, interested in um, that that's not really uh, including health uh, for, for the last 27 games for this Raptors squad? Outside of health, um, <laughs> this, this might be a bit of a cop-out, but <laughs> thinking about... Marcus All's return, not just that he's healthy, but that he can return to the form that was at the height of how he was playing this year. I think right. It's important. I don't know if that's dependent on health or not. I don't know if you consider that a hamstring thing. I'm not sure, but that is something I'm looking for. I am a proponent that he is a top 10 defensive player of the year nominee. If he's healthy all year, he's been fantastic coordinating the back end of the Raptors defense, using Pascal at the front of like a 3-2 zone with Gasol at the back end of it. Sometimes they switch to like a box in one. It's kind of like this amorphous blob of, of hustle and intelligence and defensive grit and having Pascal at the point of attack Marcus Gasol at the back end, and Kyle Lowry just in the middle as a hawk. Fred Van Vliet, you know, attacking the smaller ball handlers of the other team. Really, really potent defensively. And OG Ananobi, you can just throw him in there too. He's a near all-NBA-level defender. Just looking for the defense to hang on to its, its form, looking for Gasol to return to that. I think that is a bit of a cop-out answer. But maybe I'm looking for fun stuff to happen, I guess. Maybe another scarf type of situation. Um, More OG Ananobi in the media. I guess that's what I would ask for. No, those are all good requests. And I don't think it's a cop-out answer because, you know, we've seen what Gasol can do. And we saw when he first came back from the hamstring injury, he had all this extra, like, pop and was finally knocking down those twos, which, you know, anyone who's watched Gasol his whole career knows he's not like an offensive 
dynamo from uh, as far as scoring, but he, he's not as bad as when the season started and he was just seeming like, like there was like a it was a carnival rim uh, when he <laughs> when he would shoot twos. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's a good answer. I'm really two things I'm interested in is how Pascal and Siakam play together when when the team's kind of humming because I think that those two the more they're on the same page I think it allows Lowry to take the odd possession off and just focus on being that 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 guy who hits those daggers or who gets the charge that breaks the team's back I think if we're too dependent on Lowry to create I think that's a that's a bad path for this team. I think it's going to be a bit too tiring for him. And I think I, I want to see Lowry as much like last year as possible. I want him to be just the assist assassin guy who the t- other team, they just can't afford, you know, they, they don't have the luxury to, to think about as much. Um, and then also, also how Fred and Norm... Um, how they factor into the rotation. I think that they've kind of been like ships passing in the night this year. Their injuries have been at different times. They both had, you know, wonderful years. They've both, uh, I think, you know, are having, you know, scoring highs in their careers. And I think they both play the two quite a bit. So I'm interested to see who comes off the bench, how, and, and just kind of how they gel. Um, but yeah, for, for these last 27 games, Derek, um, is there anything you're looking for? Do you, do you agree you'd like to see some more? What about scarves? Would you like to see some more? I do art. I'm 100% down for more what about scarves and I do art and, and uh, you know, Mark's health. I think, I mean, I mean Mark, just, Mark just was really tired, to be honest. I think, I think, you know, him having played, you know, essentially what was like 18, 19 months of straight basketball with championships, deep run, and then going to Spain and winning it all for Spain at the World Cup. Like, it just felt like he needed time. He, he was showing his age and, you know, his size. And I think giving him that, that month or so off, because, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Mark is healthy right now. I, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be around the team from, you know, my work at CBC Toronto and local and, and covering the Raptors. And so I, I've had a chance to see him around in the practice facilities you know, over the last couple of weeks. And he looks good. He looks good. I mean, he's, he's constantly working on his shot. And I think the, the success that we saw him have after he came back from injury was no accident. It was all things that he had been working, you know, with the assistant coaches, with the teams working in his off time um, to get right. Because I think even he knew that he wasn't playing to the level that he expected himself to be at. And I right. think rest was a big factor in that. So I expect him to, to continue to, you know, pick up right where he left off. Cause I mean, if history shows us anything with this Raptors team in this particular season, it's we've seen that when guys get hurt, they take their time. They get back from injury. They're a hundred percent when they get back from injury, maybe not hundred percent game speed, but they're a hundred percent healthy. Uh, and they pick up right where they left off. We had questions about Norm. We had questions about Fred. We had questions about Serge. We had questions about Mark and whether they would be able to round back into the form that they had prior to them getting injured. And, uh, and, and they, Every time, everyone's answered the call and, and, and we're able to, you know, bounce right back and pick up right where they left off. So I have no doubt in my mind that with the staff that we have and the time that March has been given, uh, that he'll bounce back just fine. But actually, I'm going to take it a completely different space. I okay. think that the guy that I'm actually 
hoping to round into form over these next 27 games is OG. And I think hmm. it's he's been, to me, the most inconsistent guy on this team as an overall player this season. Uh, and I think part of that is because of the, you know, the injuries to other guys and his where his place and role is in the lineup. And I think I would love to see him get some of that more consistency in a more, you know, consistent role um, and, a, and a spot because I think Nick, Nick touched on it before, you know, I think when OG gets more touches, he produces more as a player and, and, it, and, and it's not like he's being inefficient, right? It's like, you know, if you give him the looks, he's going to hit the threes. If you give him the opportunities to run down the court on a fast break, he's become actually a, a much better finisher around the rim this season than in any other that I've seen him in. And and I I think we're we're gonna need him because it, it, like like Samson said his defense is is all NBA it, it's phenomenal and I think mm-hmm. we will absolutely need that come playoff time for what we've lost with Kawhi and with Danny Green I think OG is the guy that we need to see step up and to have that consistency and be somebody that's not just a force on defense but somebody that we can go to the you know, hit an elbow three or a corner three uh, when we need it. He doesn't have to be the guy, uh, but he has to be a guy and a key cog in our push in the playoffs. Because keep in mind, we didn't have him at all last year in the playoffs. So he's never really had that experience since LeBron hit that game winner over him. Um, so I'm sure he's itching to play in the play in the postseason, but I would love to see him round into form or get a little bit more touches and get a little bit more of a carved out role on this team once everyone is healthy. So that when we come to the playoffs, OG knows exactly what he needs to do, how he's going to play and what we expect of him. Yeah, no, I think uh, OG is a really good kind of, for me, a barometer for our offense, because I think when when he's hitting buckets, they're they're very kind of like system buckets it seems and i feel like it kind of is a is a good measure of the health of the offense i think that um just kind of like a a note to your like og consistency i think the offense you know has c- kind of like come and gone a little bit but i i think the defense has been has been fairly consistent this year but to your point about you know having like a defensive leader with og being 22 you're you're bang on with like he he represents like a even higher defensive ceiling for this team, which is kind of hard to believe. But he showed some you know between his rookie year, uh, like you said, guarding LeBron in the playoffs, or you know the the game where he shut down Harden that one time. Like he has really showed major major defensive potential. Like I I, I mean maybe this is too high praise, but I think like meta world peace Ron Artest level defensive potential from OG, uh, you know, because he's just so strong. And uh, yeah, I think, I think OG, he, he's, he's definitely someone to watch. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, this is going to be an exciting 27 games for the Raptors. I think we're in a pretty comfy spot. Um, this, this two seed is probably going to be uh, a battle between us and Boston. Miami's really fallen off. Uh, they're five and a half games back, which is, which is pretty big with 27 games left. Um, and I think you, the two seed is going to be the difference between, you know, playing the, the Nets magic or maybe, I don't know, Washington slips in or, you know, likely playing a team like Miami or Indiana or Philly. So it's, it's definitely a race. Um, you guys want to talk some NBA? Sir, what's good? <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Oh, wait, you know, I should say any more, any more Raptors points. I shouldn't just move off. Um, <laughs> last little it's, thing, interesting, you know? it's interesting that the Raptors have 
Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi on the same team because they're two of the best defenders in the NBA, but yes. Pascal skews towards being a revolutionary team defender the way you know he runs. He's top five in miles covered in the league yeah. this year. He's top five in shots contested. He's fantastic on the move. His closeouts, his ability to switch, fantastic. And OG, not as good at team defense, but one of the, I would say, top five players in one-on-one -on -one defense in the whole league. You just have to look at the stats against a multitude of different players. LeBron, Ben Simmons, Karis LeVert, whoever. They're slinky players. They're strong players. They're shooters. He can guard them all in one-on-one. -on -one. And to have both those players as part of the same defense is, is really cool. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, totally. And, and, and to Derek's point, too, with the, uh, with the appendicitis and, um, and the, I guess, emergency surgery last year, we really uh, – can you imagine – OG being part of that defense like he just would have been an extra it would have been yeah I don't know I feel like you know we had a couple of four, four or five minute stretches where Milwaukee didn't score like I feel like the Raptors might have held a, a team like Philly or Milwaukee to a scoreless quarter if we had OG uh, OG like as a part of that that defense but um yeah, let's uh, let's do some NBA here. Uh, Maddie, would you give me that NBA sting? National, National Basketball, Basketball Association. Association. Okay, let's uh, let's go to you, Derek. This is just a a fun uh, subjective question. So, uh, yeah, what is your uh, favorite dunk from the dunk off. It was it was a pretty exciting dunk off. I think, I mean, I don't I don't want to speak for both of you, but I feel like Jones had some good dunks. But I do think that Gordon should have won, and the judges didn't really read the room. Or I guess we're learning about Wade. This is like Wade's. I don't know if there's any wrestling fans to listen to this podcast, but this is like a Montreal screw job scenario where, <laughs> where everyone agreed on something and Wade was like, actually, I got an idea. But um, yeah, what's your. Do you have a favorite single dunk? Aaron Gordon screwed Aaron Gordon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, no, um, I think. Actually, I think my favorite dunk was one that I don't know if many people are going to pick. Um, and that's not to take away from, from uh, Derek Jones Jr. or Aaron Gordon. I think they both had phenomenal dunks. I think this is one of the best dunk contests. I wouldn't say it was you know, up there with, you know, the Jordan Dominique 88 Kenny Smith comments. I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't necessarily even put this above 2016 in Toronto, but um, I, I actually think Pat Connaughton's dunk over Giannis was probably my favorite dunk of the contest only because it was something that I, I did not expect that actually got me excited and surprised a lot of people. I think aesthetically it didn't look as great when you saw it in real time but when you saw it in slow motion it was phenomenal to see pat Connaughton leap over Giannis, who's essentially seven feet seven one over his head grab it tap the ball on the glass and finish strong with two hands i i did not expect that like i expect aaron gordon to do the 360s and the east bays and Derek jones you know to put it through his legs like those guys are good at that that we've we've seen that before i don't think i've seen anybody leap over Giannis grab it, smack it off the glass, and dunk it. Like, I thought, to me, that was surprisingly probably my favorite dunk of the dunk contest. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good pick. I wasn't sure if any of you guys were going to pick a Pat Connaughton dunk, but uh, it, for me, anytime I see a new dunk, I'm, it's just like it's the most exciting thing because it's, it's something you feel like is 
it just can't really be reinvented. So when you see that it is reinvented, it's, it's super exciting. Like I still remember, um, you know, an early Dwight dunk off where he, he did like the double, he like passed it to himself off the backboard in the air and dunked. And I just, I didn't really think that people could do that. And I just was like, Oh, that's possible. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. Um, Samson, do you have a, do you have a favorite dunk from the dunk off? Yeah, but to just lean into what you were saying, that's why the honey dip that Vince Carter did was so crazy. Yes. Yes. The, the, the dunk itself is not that wild. It's not that that wild. There's nothing really leading up to it. But all right. of a sudden, you're looking at the aftermath, and he's hanging there from his elbow. And you're like, what in the hell is going on? You can do this? This is a possibility? Right. Also, could you imagine... If you had this dunk contest from this year, and I am, maybe this is revisionist history, but if you put this dunk contest with Derek Jones Jr., Pat Connaughton, less so Dwight Howard, and Aaron Gordon were doing, and you did that in 1988, people would have been having full-on seizures in the stadium. <laughs> they, yeah. They, like the Jordan Dominique, they do their thing. That's fine. It's a different era. They didn't have to push to be have the ingenuity that the guys nowadays have because we've seen so many different dunks. But if you, sh if they got to see what happened in this arena back then, seizures oh, on, on mass, 100%. it would be unbelievable. Even the three point contest, people would look at a guy like Davis Bertans and they'd be like, we need, <laughs> we need to run. Who is yeah, that? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Um, but my favorite dunk was the, uh, the first one that Aaron Gordon did over Chance the Rapper where he caught it above him and spun after picking it up and dunked it on the other side of the rim. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yes, that was incredible. That, yeah. that was my favorite. That was a really great dunk. I like that one a lot. So uh, I thought I actually was going to pick another dunk because I thought one of you guys were going to say this for sure. But for me, I thought the one-handed off the oh, side of the backboard Aaron Gordon spinning dunk even though you know it was it, he got it on the second attempt but just the way he cupped it and and the just the rotation like gordon has this way of like he can really just kind of gracefully slow down those rotations and contort his body like it's just incredible and uh also just throw in they you know i'm not going to go crazy on the judges here because it's the all-star game right but the, can they figure out something for the first dunk? Like, I thought that <laughs> Dwight Howard, I, I don't even think he deserved to be in the second round, but for him to get a 41 on that pose dunk where he just, like, that dunk is absolutely not a 41. Maybe it's not a 50, but they need .5s in there or, or some kind of nuance because it just seems like if you dunk first, you lose the competition, period. It was a Which great it, dunk. It was a really good dunk. It was a fantastic dunk. Like for like for like I, I I love dunk offs, and for me that dunk is like it can't be less than like a forty. I don't know forty seven, but it, it, I, I, but anyways, yeah. So, um, well, actually, can I just I, sure. I have a favorite tweet that resurfaces every single year during the dunk contest. It's from Brian Grubb, and it's in all caps. Kenny Smith quote. Covered in pumpkin guts after a contestant Tomahawk won. <laughs> it's over. It's over. He dunked a pumpkin. It's over. Just okay. imagine that. The iconography of it. It's okay. Wonderful. Since we're doing some like just like throwaway lines. Okay. One that just killed me for the dunk off was Kenny's. Kenny was shouting like, um, like if you dunk over Taco Fall. 
uh, like, you know, if you dunk over Taco Fall, you win. If you dunk over Taco Fall, you win. And then um, you lose. <laughs> yeah, that, but then Marv Albert goes, he's 7'5". But he sounded like he was so scared. And just hearing Marv Albert, just like that's his way of contributing to like Kenny's energy is being like, he's 7'5". So, just like a scared old him. man. He's got a finger running down the heights list of the different people in the building and he finds it, not even yeah. for himself, not for the audience. He exclaims to himself after finding it on the list. He's seven, he's seven five. five. <sighs> yeah, no, no. I, I think, I think, I mean, for me, like I love Don Contest as well. I've I, the first one I watched was obviously Vince in two thousand uh, as a kid, and and that completely captured my imagination. I went back and like watched all the old tapes and studied them, and 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 I think I think we're kind of spoiled in this era because of the fact that everything is so accessible to us online. So like I've seen all of these dunks and stuff that has not been done. Like the best dunkers in the world are not in the NBA. They're not even in the NBA dunk contest. They're at all-star weekend, but they're like doing like a Sprite contest or something. Shout like that. out to not, Justin Hamilton. Yeah. Just fly. Exactly. Justin Hamilton, you know, and, and there, there are so many phenomenal talented athletic people who could be in the dunk contest that are not, and and you know we we see why, right? Like the the way that it's judged is, I think if anything, I mean this may reach to a larger point later in this podcast, but the, the NBA got the All Star Game format correct. I think they fixed it. I, I mean, there's still some tweaks here and there, but I think what we saw as a game was phenomenal. I think they need to do that for the NBA dunk contest. I think I'm not trying to see any spinning wheels or teammate assists or whatever the crap, you know, hmm. props they want to bring in for Kia. I just want to see the best guys go at it in dunk contest. It doesn't even have to be the biggest names, just the best dunkers. And we need to get point fives in there. And we also need to go back to having people who actually competed in the dunk contest be judges because they're the best judges who actually know how hard it is to do, you know, a Dwight dunk, who know how hard it is to, you know, do a 360 off the side and catch it off the backboard. So, you know, to me, uh, there, there are things that absolutely need to be fixed. And I think if they, if the NBA can get the all-star game, right, then they can certainly get the dunk contest. Right. So are you trying to tell me that Chadwick Boseman should not be a judge? No, Wakanda is not forever. It can't be a dunk contest. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's actually a perfect segue with the kind of like larger point in the all-star format. Um, I'll go back to you, Derek, but but Samson, what, what's your takeaway, like just a kind of general takeaway from, from the NBA all-star weekend? I thought it was fun. I It's a cash grab, an unabashed cash grab. It very, I guess, very seldom does it deliver upon its promise and it's it's a very pompous event for the NBA to put on and there's you know only so many minutes of the actual of the actual weekend are, are watchable and are entertaining but we're all basketball fiends and we live for it and the you know it's it's iconic and so having one where when I was watching that game at the end for the last I would say 25 30 possessions I was bobbing incessantly like a small child, like yeah. very, very excited about every possession that has never happened to me before. And I've like not even close. I felt like I was watching a finals game, watching all those players play defense like it was that. Awesome. It was, it was incredible. And the, the dunk contest was really good too. 
three-point contest is, you know, that's obviously super fun. The anticipation, the three-point shot is perfect for the NBA because the crowd gets to anticipate the shot. It adds, you know, another element to the game. It's one of the best parts of basketball. Super fun. Skills competition, I love that the big men are in it now. Is a win. Is a really great weekend, even though there is way more glitz and glamour than actual fun stuff. It's but they they delivered a lot more fun stuff than I think we're all used to in in a given year. It was it was lots of fun to watch. No, I think I think you're bang on. I feel like with all star games in general for you know the major leagues in North America, there's kind of a low expectation. Or for me, anyways, I I kind of always anticipate some cringy moments. Um, shout out to TikTok. Dame Dame rapping in front of everyone. I think it was a bit cringy. Um, TBH <laughs> little Wayne, little Wayne came in and saved him. I thought, but you know, like it was just kind of, it was just kind of awesome. And I think with the, with the passing of Kobe, there was such a heavy kind of mood. And I just think the NBA really, really knocked this week, knocked this weekend out of the park. Like, and like you said, Samson, there's a lot of vanity. There's a lot of kind of like glamor. It seems like if you're a hardcore basketball fan, maybe there's not real-ish basketball for you during that weekend. But there was just enough entertaining moments and, and the and the vibes were totally right in in my opinion. Like it just like watching LeBron get so angry uh when they were rev- when they were reviewing that uh that goaltender block call from from Giannis I was just like man this game is super super competitive and no one here like even just watching the bench jump up when they when Pascal you know probably was traveling when he was trying to post up Harden. Like everyone was very, very intensely into this game. And yeah, I don't know. The NBA has this type of camaraderie that I just don't see in other leagues. Like it's almost as if like all of the players, they know that they're the ambassadors of this league and they know uh, how they go. It goes. And it just seems like everyone was kind of like in lockstep this weekend. Um, Yeah. Derek, what's what's your take on the all-star weekend? Um, I thought I thought it was a great weekend. Um, I, I love the fact that you know here we are a day later and we're st- we're talking about a defensive play at the All Star game. We're talking about multiple defensive yes. plays at the All Star game that we that we care about in that moment and still talk about. Like that hasn't happened in a really long time or or any time for that matter that I can think of that I've been alive and watching these games. So the fact that we are here talking about these things now is is uh, an indication of that of the nba and the, and the success that this plan was i mean uh, i'm sure many of us had our doubts about the format uh, of the game itself and whether it could actually work but i think it did I, th- I think i think the nba got it right they nailed it and obviously there are things that can be fixed and tweaked down the road like not ending the game on a free throw uh, mm-hmm. making sure that it's a bucket i mean I'm cool with a dead at whatever, but if some people want to have a win by two, that's cool too. Um, but I, I think it was great. I think, I think, um, and like you said, to touch on that camaraderie, I think it was nice to see everyone together, um, especially after what's been, you know, a tragic start to the year with, with Kobe's passing and Gianna's passing. And, and of course, David Stern as well, um, who I think honestly kind of gets overlooked because of how awful the, the Kobe situation is. Right. Um, and, and, and I mean, the all-star weekend was David Stern's idea, right? We, we wouldn't have this 
if not for David Stern and obviously and if not for the players as well and guys like Kobe Bryant. Um, and I, I like that they, they renamed the MVP award after Kobe. I think that was very fitting. Um, and, yeah, me too. And, that's, a, that's a good call. Yeah, I think it was a great call. I think, um, you know, again, we're, we're in year one of, of – I think the new all-star game and the new format. And I think going forward, uh, if, if anything, this was the right way to honor David Stern and the right way to honor Kobe Bryant. I think both of those guys would be proud of how competitive the guys were and how competitive these games were and, and how much everyone, everyone wanted to win. And I think, you know, what's nice about it is that we, at the end of the, like at the end of each all-star weekend and, and, you know, being in Toronto and experiencing the 2016 uh, all-star weekend and, and being a part of so many events, I can say everyone won there. There, I mean, unless you're Aaron Gordon, but everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone walked away a winner from this. Everyone walked away with more, you know, phenomenal basketball memories uh, to leave with. They walked away with great experiences. Charities got funded. Kids got helped. Um, you know, people who, um, you know, weren't in the spotlight or didn't get an opportunity to get their shine or recognition or, you know, obviously in, in honor of Kobe passing, you know, giving people their flowers while they're still here, um, I think was great, you know, to see come and talk about Dwayne Wade uh, in such a glowing way and seeing Michael Jordan there and, 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 and making it feel like, you know, this is a special moment and this is something that we may not ever see again, right? Like, I think even, you know, to a lesser degree, like looking at guys like Chris Paul, who hasn't been in an All-Star game since I think maybe Toronto, uh, to, to have that experience again and to see him, you know, not take it for granted and to see his him dunking, like, what the hell, Chris Paul 2020 dunking? Like, that's yeah. insane. Um, you know, so I, I think it, I think it was a great weekend and I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that went right here. I mean, there's some things that went wrong too. I mean, I could care less for the TikTok girls, but I'm glad that the girl who <laughs> originated the renegade dance got a chance to actually yes. perform because the NBA did her right by doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, it, it was a great weekend and, and I'm actually, uh, happy that it was cold in Chicago too, so now people can't complain about how cold it was in Toronto. Because I swear to God, that all the conversations I had during 2016 were like, I, like I, I met Stephen A. in 2016. I met Seiko Smith. All those guys were like, "Why is it so cold?" And I'm like, I swear to God, <laughs> the week, the week before you guys came, it was actually really mild. It was actually really nice going into All Star Weekend, and then we got hit with like the worst cold front. And it was like minus 30, and I'm like, this isn't normally how it is, but, you know, so I'm glad that, that Chicagoans can, uh, you know, uh, can be in that group with us, but I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a great weekend. Uh, the format was great. The competitiveness was great. Um, and also I'm going to add this last bit. Allen Iverson gives the best hugs out of anybody in the league. If you ever see a video of Allen Iverson hugging anybody, it just looks like the man gives the best hugs. Like he's hugging so, with yeah. his heart. Yes. Like, so shout out to Allen Iverson wearing the Kobe Jersey, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. Great, That's, great points. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Sam. I, I want to hop off that Allen Iverson thing. He does. And you see him holding a guy by his shoulders, putting both hands on his shoulders, and he just looks so warm and welcoming. And he'll be wearing their jersey or something. 
he's he's supposed to be the the best OG in the league, but it's kind of like there's this juxtaposition in Mita. You can see Allen Iverson one day, and there's an incredible warmth to when he's touching a guy on both shoulders and addressing them and talking to them. And then next, you'll see Joe Biden, and it's like this crazy <laughs> interrogation where he's up and fingering up and down the lining of his suit. And listen here, bucko. Uh, and that's what it reminded me of. Honestly, Joe Biden needs to like hang out with Marv Albert because like oh my I, god, yes, I'd be so down for some like Joe, some Joe Biden just like weird sound bites, like he's dribbling up and down the court, and let's just say he slipped on the banana peel. You know what I mean? We like get, he, we need to get Marv Albert and Joe Biden in the celebrity All Star game. That would be that would be wonderful. Like, oh man, yeah. Just if if you never heard any like weird old timey Joe Biden clips, do yourself a favor and just Google like Joe Biden says weird thing. Honestly, and you'll see him talking in front of a crowd, being like, <laughs> "I got hairy back," and in the '60s, people love that. Like, it's just the weirdest stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Samson, you gonna say something? I was going to say the best pub that Bernie Sanders could have done was to come into the, the all-star game for celebrities, get injured, and then consistently plug Medicare for all about his injury. <laughs> that would have been the way to do it. 100%. Yeah. We should just have like all the, the Dems and Republicans just mic'd up in an NBA all-star game. I mean, look, if the, if the Milwaukee Bucks owner can play in the all-star game, I'm sure these guys can too. Yeah, good points. Let's let's get all the politicians at the NBA All Star Game. That's that's the way to like really. Listen, I'm I'm Team Messiah and Trudeau. I would love to see them oh, yeah. on a squad, looking like a bad buddy cop movie, but it'd, it'd be great. Um, okay, let's uh, let's. Uh, I'm gonna go to you, Samson, on, the, on this last question. So the, the Raptors have uh, 27 games. Um, you know, I think some teams probably have a 29, um, and you know, 28, 30, whatever. But for the most part. You know, we're kind of in, in that last third of the season. And uh, I'm just curious if you have any kind of gut feelings of a of a yet-to-emerge storyline. So I'm not talking about something that's like bubbling. I'm talking about something that, you know, it's going to be talked about a lot. And 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 as of right now, it just it hasn't surfaced. And the inside, you want the inside information is what you're telling me. I want the inside information. I want Samson to just like... I want you to pull something out of the hat and be like, listen, Hito Turklu is going to come back. It's going to be wild. Okay. Let me well, actually, I would hate that, but yeah. Hito Turklu is, <laughs> he's not very good, but <laughs> something that might develop. Okay. Let's see. This, this is a really tough question. Insider trading. What, what do I have as far as dirt? Okay. Marcus Saul. All right. There will be a, there will be an argument within the Raptors locker room that for two or three days will help sow deceit, but they'll fix it by the 12th game left in the year, but it'll happen between games 16 and 12 left in the year, and it will be regarding the music that is played in the dressing room, and OG Ananobi will have a hostile takeover, much to the chagrin of the rest of his teammates, and I think that's the development. You won't hear about it because, you know, Masai and the organization yeah, are very tight-lipped. But that's that's what's going to happen. That's the development. I like that. And do you have any – is there any, like, league-wide, like, narratives that you think could develop? Oh, man. Okay, let's think. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is going to go bald and <laughs> become a monk 
and swear off of women <gasps> and basketball because A, Vanessa Hudgens will dump him and B, LeBron will scold him in the media for the last time and he'll be go to a monastery. <laughs> I like that you, you wrapped up like three in three or four insane takes in one. <laughs> like just, just one ball of, of, of wildness. Um, Derek, what's a, what's a yet-to-emerge storyline for you? Um, honestly, I'm surprised that this hasn't emerged more yet. And maybe it's because we're still so far away from Giannis's free agency. But my goodness, like the tampering of the Raptors has been phenomenal. <laughs> like if, if you think back to where we were a year ago, people were making the biggest deal out of a hallway conversation between Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Fast forward a year from now, we've got Nick Nurse coaching Giannis, Kyle and Pascal trying to recruit Giannis, and no one bats an eye. It's not even mentioned in, in any media. And there were multiple hollow conversations, I can tell you that much, um, between players, especially Giannis and, and Raptor players, um, from what I've been told. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm surprised that that hasn't been an emerging um storyline but i will say the other storyline that i think will emerge uh, by the end of this year is that philadelphia is going to blow it up um one wow. of Embiid or simmons is going to be moved in the summer because the experiment is not working and they will get bounced in the second round again who baby uh th- those are some scorchers um uh i like it a lot uh my here's mine i think that uh OKC has not played as good as people like, I think everyone keeps assuming they've peaked. And I think that OKC still has not peaked. And I don't, I don't want to go as far as saying that they're going to win around, but I think that we're all going to have to take a step back and be like, Holy shit. This team a isn't bad. B is good. C maybe is really good. Uh, I, I just have this feeling that this is like Chris Paul's like last hurrah. And I don't know. I feel like uh, uh, there's something magical with that team. And uh, I think in, in my mind, they're the biggest story that isn't the Raptors uh, in the NBA this year. But um, yeah, uh, let's, let's wrap this baby up. You guys want to do some quickish questions? Hell yeah, yeah brother. Okay, let's bring it home. Maddie, would you give me that quickish question sting? Quickish question. Okay, um, Matt, you love my explanations here, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump right in. Uh, this is quickish questions. Uh, Derek and um, Samson, you got to answer as quick as you can. Uh, I, I'm going to stutter. I'm going to stammer. I'm going to slur. I'm going to lose my <laughs> concentration. But, you know, that's that's me. You you got to make sure you lock it down. Nature no of the beast. What's that? Nature of the beast with Freddie. Yeah, there you go. Um, this is this is this is what happens when you host a podcast and uh, your ADD is bouncing off the walls, folks. <laughs> uh, okay, but you know what I mean. When you have ADD, sometimes you can hyperfocus. So let's see if we can get it done. Yeah. Uh, let's do uh, our order. Will be Samson, Derek, Matt. Uh, is everybody ready? Let's do it. Okay. Do it. Here we go. Samson. First question: What's one additional tweak to spruce up the All Star game? Can't win on free throws. Yes. Great answer. Uh, Derek, 
Uh, 0.5s in the dunk contest. Uh, sorry, great answer as well. But uh, I, I was meaning to ask you another question. Guys, I wasn't uh-huh. lying. I stammer and I slur quite a bit here. All good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, okay. Uh, question number two uh, for, for Derek. Did Nick Nurse rely on Kyle and Siakam too much in the All-Star game? No. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just stop saying that. Uh, okay, Matt, uh, here we go. Uh, if you're Giannis, are you more less or the same level of interested in joining the Raptors after playing with Nick nurse, Kyle and Zach. Um, I think my, in my opinion, I'd say that it's about the same. I think there needs to be a little, a little more something to sweeten the pot for him to get his interest a little more peaked, you know? Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, Samson, were you also surprised, or sorry, are you also surprised to be reminded that Kyle is a six-time All-Star? No. Great answer. <laughs> okay, last time I do that, Derek. Uh, but I keep agreeing. Okay, uh, Derek, uh, was the competitive was the competitiveness more a Kobe tribute or a genuine reaction to the new game format? I would say gut reaction, Kobe, but probably both. I got to say it. Correct. Matt. (laughs) um, Okay. Which highway robbery was worse for Aaron Gordon, Chicago or Toronto? And what does Aaron Gordon do after losing to make himself feel better? (laughs) Um, I think that the Chicago one was worse because, you know, now it's happened twice and it's a thing. And, uh, you know, you just get more frustrated. And I think that uh, what he did after losing is he, he went down to that giant bean in Chicago and he just rang it like a gong and screamed. <laughs> okay. Nice and weird. Um, Samson, uh, what was more nerve wracking? The end of Uncut Gems or the fourth quarter of the All-Star game? <sighs> I think uh, that that would have to be the, the All-Star game. Although the ending of Uncut Gems is, is very good. Uh, that's a fantastic movie. I really like the part where when he's trying to escape, he runs down, takes a plane, goes to Chicago, and bangs the bean like a gong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the best part of the movie for sure. Like, when Adam Sandler didn't get nominated, uh, all I could think about is like, but he banged the bean, you know? <laughs> Bang the bean. <laughs> like, like, what do, you, what do you want, you know? Um, okay, Derek, uh, this is a wonderful one. Um so this question has already been asked. Uh, so just to preface it here. Uh, so uh, this is actually Jonathan, a fan of the pod or from friend of the pod rather. Um, so he's saying, uh, I asked this about a year ago, but thought I'd check in again. Is sort of shawarma any closer to self-actualizing as a full on shawarma? Ooh, <laughs> that's, you know what? That's tough. Um, like, is it turning more into a shawarma over time or no? You know? Freddie, I feel like I'm you've had s- the most sort of shawarmas out of all of us. Yeah, I feel like, Fre- Freddie, I feel like we're going to flip the tables and consult you on this. <laughs> okay. Honestly, um, let me just say it's still the same ingredient of shawarma <laughs> and patty, and you got to get lettuce out of there. No yeah. one wants no hot lettuce. lettuce. Yeah. No one wants hot romaine yeah, lettuce. Hot lettuce is nasty. Yeah. Like, we like the idea. Hot corn, sure. Hot lettuce, romaine, no, man. Um, okay, let's... Uh, 
Let's just uh, wrap it up. I'll, I'm going to ask you all this question. And, and since you flipped it on me, I'm going to start with you, Derek. Okay. Um, so describe or dramatize the Giannis tampering that went on this past weekend. Ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> should I say real life or what? <laughs> what just I made up it, it's, it's up to um, you. It's describe or dramatize. Um, Giannis enters a hallway. There's no one there. <laughs> it's dark. At the end of that tunnel is Nick Nurse. <laughs> he goes a little bit further. The light gets brighter. It's Pascal. He get, he reaches the end of the tunnel, and it's Kyle Lowry saying, "Just come on." I like it. I like it. Oh, wow. I like the, I like the drama tunnel. Uh, Matt, can you uh, can you describe and or dramatize the Giannis tampering that went on the past weekend? Oh yeah, I know exactly what happened. So what happened was they were uh, Giannis was in this change room. Uh, Pascal Siakam offered him a piece of gum put it in his mouth, bit it. Sure. Really hard and weird. Pulled it out. It was a note. Said, meet me at the bean. So Giannis goes down to the bean. The bean splits open. Nobody knows that it could do this, but it can split open. (laughs) Uh, Nick Nurse is in the center of the bean with a 12-string guitar playing Hotel California. And uh, the rest is history. They just nod at each other and uh, see you on the Raptors in a couple years. Okay, Samson, you're, you're last up. Describe and or dramatize the Giannis tampering that went on this past weekend. I'm going to steal a little bit from the previous story, but yes, <laughs> sure. they, they meet in the locker room and Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, they kind of, they, they're eyeing up Giannis. Giannis is, he's like, man, my arms look good today. I'm, I'm really happy with my workout regimen lately. So maybe that's what they're seeing. These, these guys, they come over, Kyle kind of sauntering over a little bit slower, Pascal live, quick kind of emulating how they play and Kyle he's, he's loading around that wagon that he's got at the back end and sure it's surely not a sundress that he's wearing but you can tell he's, he's prominent in that area and uh, they come over and Kyle looks Giannis deep in the eyes says how you been Pascal says, yeah how have you been then he gets it he knows what the deal is he, oh he, he knows you are Tanka gems He's yeah. banged to being like a god. We, we all know <laughs> sure. what's happening here. They oh, yeah. meet at the bean. They stand under it. And I've been to the bean. And I got to tell you, when you stand directly under it and you look up, you can see a million different versions of yourself. And Kyle whispers to Giannis. And he had to bring a step stool to whisper in his ear. So <laughs> there's Pascal, <laughs> Kyle, and Giannis and a step stool for Kyle to stand on. He says, look how many versions of yourself there are. Oh, oh wow beautiful <laughs> and then he says here's the version of myself and he shows the gif of him holding the trophy riding Ooh, the riding the rock downtown wow. and he says you gotta choose the right one and then he just leaves his phone with that and he says i'm sponsored by verizon you can get a free plan you call this number <laughs> here you go and then and then they peace out but not before they bang the bean like a dog. I mean, that's the perfect version to, that's the perfect way to end this pod. Uh, Giannis sees a Kusama infinity mirror version of his, uh, of his potential future. And uh, the, the right, the right selection is with Kyle winning another Larry O'Brien guys, Samson, Derek, thank you so much for doing this pod. You guys are awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. But what about scarves? But what about scarves, right? Um, uh, by the way, tune in. Tune in next week because uh, I'm. I, uh, hopefully, I'm going to have uh, Katie Heindel and uh, and one of the producers of a vet class on the show. So Ooh. hopefully, I'll get some some inside uh, 
inside drama on what about scarves, you know? What, how, how, how put on was the segment? Was it organic? Was Serge really mad? It looked like he was. Spoiler uh, alert, it, it was organic. <laughs> yeah, it really did seem organic. He rolled up the sleeves, man. He meant he, business. And he also just seemed rattled because he, he seemed like he was trying to make the show smooth. So good. Uh, Can I just say, before we close on that note, OG is the smartest guy on a vet class, period. Yes. He could have picked any outfit. He chose multiple, put them all on, put a scarf in his pocket, walked away with a whole wardrobe just off of vet class. Genius. Yeah. Very clever. You can you can tell that OG Ananobi grew up with the internet as opposed to a lot of the other people yeah. on his team. It's it's such a big difference. Just the way that he interacts with humor and different people. It's so internet savvy. Yes. Whereas guys like Serge Ibaka are so earnest. Kyle yeah. very <laughs> jaded are. towards that kind of stuff. <laughs> Pascal obviously not having the same childhood as a lot of other players, but. Man, OG, I just love to watch him interact in different ways. He's OG, so fun. Yeah. He's so self-aware. OG definitely treats Serge like he's in like an old uncle, and he yeah. just is like constantly not being genuine to him. And I think yeah. Serge is so easily tricked, and like you said, Samson's so genuine that it's really easy to irk him. Like I, I made a million jokes that like the re- reason he tried to strangle Marquise Chris is because he was like would you like to be on how hungry are you? And Marquise Chris <laughs> said no. And he just like ran at him and tried to choke him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that does it for the pod. Samson, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, obviously Raptors Republic, uh, your writing, uh, the Raptors reaction podcasts, uh, you know, your, your weekly Raptors podcast, but uh, what, what's something you'd like people to check out? Oh boy. That's a big question. Okay, something people should check out. I I read a really great book uh, called Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, that's pretty good if you're looking to uh, read a, a decent footnote on what humans have done in history. That's that's a pretty good place to start. Okay. Uh, a pretty great book. But you said all the stuff that is uh, relevant to me, so thank you for that. And that's, that's probably all I have to say. Awesome. Uh, Derek, um... What do, you, what do you got going on? You, you want to plug anything? Uh, I don't have anything to plug. You know, I'm just uh, still grinding away as a, as a journalist here in the city. And uh, all I can say, as, as I always do, is uh, support your local news, support uh, your local journalists, and, uh, you know, stay informed. Right on. Um, well, uh, Derek, Samson, Matt, thank yeah. you. This was a fun time. All right. Thank Thanks, you guys. for having us. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Okay, Glass. cool. Can anyone around here speak basketball? It's the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball Podcast.